And as I was praying and asking God about, about what he had for us in this church this year, the word that he gave me was 2013 will be a year of opportunity. And I, I was excited about that because I love opportunity. I mean, that's all we want, right, is a chance. That's all we ask. God, just give me a chance. If you'd just open the door, if you'd just make a way. When I was at Purdue, my grade point average when I came up here and moved from Tulsa to here was 1.8. I had left the spring semester with a sparkling 0.8 grade point average. And all I wanted was a chance to to start over. All I wanted was a new opportunity in my life. And they weren't going to let me in, believe it or not. They didn't want me with my 0.8. I don't know why. That's That's not even F. That's below F somewhere. I don't even know where that is. But I begged the guy, just give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. That's all we want. And on this card, it just, it's just a, a, a scripture at the top that we're going to read here in a minute. But it has three different categories. One of them is the one that we like the most at the top. It says, what are you asking of God in 2013? What are you believing God to do in your life? What are you asking God to be or provide or open before you in this year? The second part is, what is God asking of you? It puts a little bit of of an onus on ourselves that, you know what, I I, I do have a part to play in this. If I'm asking God and believing God for these things, what is he asking of me in this year? And the bottom part is just the top five again, five people that we're believing to come into the kingdom. You know five unsaved folks. Get their names on here. Begin to speak life into them. Begin to speak that they're coming into the kingdom. We begin to pray for them and begin to lift them up and begin to hold them with intercession that that these are folks who are going to get saved. And then I would encourage you, keep this with you all year and speak to it. The top one and the bottom one, speak to it. The middle one, do it. Do what God asks you to do. But the top two, speak to them. Just like when we raise our children, we speak great things into their life. We talk about being positive. We talk about, about speaking into their future. We talked about, we don't tell them who they aren't, we tell them who they are. We don't tell them what they can't do, we tell them what they can do. We tell them who they're going to be in Christ. We grow them that direction, and it helps them grow up and become all God created them to be. Well, these dreams and these things that you've placed on this card need to be spoken to as well that you need to speak them into existence. Well, they're just words on paper. Yeah, but if you take the life of Christ that's on the inside of you and you speak these things into existence, you give them life. And I believe that this will be a year of opportunity for us. I appreciate everything that you guys have done for, the, for Victoria Vaughn and, and Greg Linderer as, their, as the house burned down and they lost their son. And last week we took an offering, the second offering, raised all the money that we needed to, to, for them to be able to do the things that they needed to do. Right now we're just in the midst of, of collecting items now. If you don't know about that, they, they lost their house a week ago Friday and lost one of their sons uh, in the fire. And it was devastating. But uh, we as a church have an opportunity here to make a difference in somebody's life. We brought in some funds to help them with the funeral and those kind of things. But now we're amassing items, just, just household stuff. And you can see Megan, and she'll help you take care of that. Uh, Megan will get you all signed up, lined up, and, and what you need to do to do that. But thank you so much for being such a, a, a caring, thoughtful group of folks who, who walk through that opportunity with them and, and will help them as they continue to walk that out in what's going on in their life. The message that, that God gave that God gave me for today was when opportunity knocks, that this will be a year of opportunity and that God's going to be knocking on your door. That door of opportunity in your house is going to be knocking. But you've got to get up off the couch and go through the door. 
Otherwise, it's just somebody rapping on your door all day. You've got to be the one who gets up and goes through there. It's going to take some stuff. It's going, to take, it's going to take you having to do some things that you might not like. God told me this and shared this with me personally. He said to seize the opportunities that I have for you, you're going to have to do things you might not like. You're going to have to do things you can't figure out. You're going to have to do some things that you're scared of or afraid of. And you're going to have to do some things that you don't know how to do. But I'm telling you, if you want to see things that you've never seen, you're going to have to do some things you've never done. If you continue to do the same thing and expect different results, that's the, that's, that's the definition of insanity, I think is what Einstein said. God has a great plan and a great purpose for you in your life, and I believe this year he'll begin to open up those doors of opportunity. We expect those doors of opportunity to be like nothing but good stuff, like, like Bob Barker and, and Price is Right, brand new car every time, right? Those doors open, a brand new car! Woo! You know, I mean, that's, 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 those are the opportunities that we're, that we're thinking. Those are the ones that, that, that we like. And, and I, I, you know what? I believe God's going to do that in your life. That dreams you've been dreaming are going to come to pass. That the visions and things that you've been seeing, you're going to see them manifest this year. The things that you've been believing God for, I believe he's going to open up doors of opportunity so that you can walk into those things. I believe that. It's not a one-time opportunity deal. God is an everyday opportunity God. And he's, he doesn't hold us as individuals against each other. He holds you to you that you live your life the way that he created you to live, he's going to open up the opportunities that he has for you. He has created those opportunities before time ever began, before you were ever thought of by your parents. He created them. But you're going to have to be the one who walks through there, and you might not like it sometimes. It might be difficult sometimes. It might not always be, woohoo, a brand new car. If you watch that show where they trade things back and forth, or what's that, let's make a deal, sometimes they get a whole box full of manure, you know. Oh, yay, you know, they traded their good thing for that. I'm not saying God's got a door and behind it's manure, but what, <laughs> I know that's a bad example, but really what, what happens is he's going to open up a door, and you're going to have to walk through it, and it might not be something you appreciate, it might not be something you like, but you don't know what God has on the other side. That when you walk through a door, you, you step through an opportunity that God gives you, there is nothing but his goodness, and you're going to see him great and have victory on the other side. That's the truth. But you, you, it, may, it may scare you a little bit. You may not know what to do every time. Ephesians chapter 4, this is the scripture, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, this is the scripture that, that he shared with me. After he told me it was going to be a year of opportunity, I was so excited. I can't wait to see that all, of, of, of all God's going to do. This scripture says, so be careful how you live. It's going to be a year of opportunity, so be careful how you live which speaks to me and shares, and I, I got this, this, I better be living according to the word and the will of God for my life if I'm going to see the opportunities that God has for me. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. The next verse says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. There's two things that I get out of that besides to be careful how I live. It's make the most of every opportunity and understand what the Lord wants you to do. You're going to have to do some things you've never done to see those things that you've never seen. To seize the opportunity, you're going to have to do some things you don't like, don't know how to do, you're a little scared of, a little afraid of. 
You're going to have to step through there in faith. The second part of that seizing the opportunities that God said to me said, if though you will act in faith, trusting and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will walk in victory. That's what I'm looking for. In my life, I know that's what you're looking for in your life. This last week, Elizabeth and I, I had an opportunity. We had an opportunity to go to West Virginia and go skiing. She's from West Virginia, and so, so we went. And I, I don't get an opportunity very often to just get away with, with my family, with my wife and, and our two kids, Daniel and Rachel. Many of you know them. He's 23. She's 19. They have their own lives. He's, he's got graduate school doing things. Rachel's at Butler going to college. But we had, a, we had a period of time where we could all four do something together. And God had really provided for us. And so we, we were, we were excited, I was excited about the opportunity to spend some time with just them. You know, to leave and to check out and not think about the cares of, of all that's going on here and everything else. And everybody took care of stuff for us. And, but we just got to go and just be together. The problem is... My idea of a really good time doing that is like going to the beach. Like, let's drive to Florida, let's drive somewhere, let's go to Omaha, let's go anywhere except West Virginia to ski. Because <laughs> I, I, all those things that it says, you're going to have to do things you might not like, can't figure out, scared of, don't know how to do that's skiing to me. But to seize this, I wanted the opportunity. I wanted this stuff on the other side. I wanted to, to, to be with my kids and my wife and just be by ourselves and just nobody knows us and we just, we just have fun together. Like, like, you know, years ago when they were little, you know, it was just, we, we, we did those kind of things. Now they're older and you know how that gets sometimes. They don't always, you know, they're not always around. So I really wanted that opportunity. So I knew to have that opportunity, I was going to have to step through this door of something that I did not like. I'm not horribly afraid, but it makes me shake a little bit. I definitely don't know how to do it. I am the world's not best skier. They all ski very well. They have a great time. They just go like this. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. They're perfectly dry. Their outfit looks great. I'm like this. Ah! Coming down the hill. And they're saying things like, oh, Daddy, it's so easy. All you have to do is just do this. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. As I cartwheel and careen down the hill, you almost got it, Daddy. Uh-huh, it's a, it's a hoot. Aren't you having fun? Not a bit. Elizabeth said, really, come on, you got to like it just a little bit. Nope, not even a little. None. Zero. I said, I like this. No at all. Zero. Negative. I, I, I do not like that. I, told, I set them all down one day when we were there. I said, I'm only doing this because I love you. Know that. Quit holding me accountable to have fun because I am not going to have fun doing that. The fun I'm getting is being with you. And when I finally make it to the bottom of the hill five minutes after you, I get to talk to you for five minutes as we go up the hill the next time. I thought I was going a million miles an hour. Elizabeth said, no, you're going very slow. And they would stop and wait as I would slide down the hill toward them. Stopped off my... I I used my face to stop me <laughs> at full speed. It takes every bit of my being. I'm telling you, this is when, when God gives you opportunities, you have to do some things. And sometimes it takes work. What, this, skiing to me, I am, I am so wet, not just from rolling around in the snow, but I am sweating from the inside out. I'm dripping sweat. It's like 25 degrees. I am dripping sweat because this takes every bit of my mental focus and my physical ability to get to the bottom every time. And when I'm done, it is such an exciting moment. 
when I finally get to the bottom and I finally stop, I put my poles down and I just do this. And I push myself to the thing. And then I get to rest for five minutes as we go up the hill. Come on, Daddy, you ready? Okay. Here we go. Took every bit of who I am to make it. I said, if I even look up one time, I'm, I'm toast. I was coming to the end of this little run, and they were waiting for me to go on the next one. There's a little mountain thing that comes down, and the other people were skiing this way, and I'm at the, I'm at the end, man, of this little thing, so I'm just kind of, whew, I let go just for a second. I'm telling you, when God opens a door, you can't just let go. You really have to keep concentrating on what he's saying. I couldn't even pray. It takes so much concentration for me to go down the hill. You would think as the pastor, I'd be praying on the way. Uh-uh. When I fell down, I prayed that I could get back up. But then once I started going again, I couldn't even pray. Because if I prayed, I lost my focus and I would fall down. And I was going like this and just skiing along. And all of a sudden, I looked up just for a second to see if somebody was coming. And I, that was it. Everything went out from underneath me, except for my face. It stayed in front of me. And it apparently fell faster than the rest of my body. Because I snowplowed through the thing and stopped with, with my face. And Rachel was sitting there and she said, oh, look at that kid. And Elizabeth said, that's your dad. She goes, oh, sorry. But I mean, the, you know, it, but to, 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 to see the other side of the opportunity, see, to get through that door of opportunity, to spend time with them. I had to go, I had to ski. I kept saying, you know, you guys just go. No, Daddy, we want to be with you. Oh, good. Because I was thinking, if you guys would just go, I'd go back to the place and lay down. You'd never know. And then I'll just come back out, put some snow on myself when it's all over and say, I'm done. Didn't work that way. I had to go down that hill. And I counted every one of the times because I knew that eventually it was going to be 430 and I wouldn't have to go down that hill anymore. And we could go do our thing. God's going to open up doors of opportunity. Everybody wants a chance and God is a God of chances, first, second, third, fourth, but he's a God of opportunities. It says in Revelations 3.8 that he opens up the door that no man can open and that he closes the door that no man can shut. Revelations 3.8 opens up the door before you that maybe you've been trying to open all day. You're pushing on it, you're turning on the handle, you're kicking at it, it won't go anywhere. But if you'll just trust God, in this year, if you'll just allow, you'll give those desires, those dreams, those things to him and say, God, just use me how you want to use me in this year. I'm telling you, he's going to open up those doors before you as you go through this year. Doors of opportunity, dreams will be fulfilled. All of those things will happen in your life. That's what he does. Isaiah 43, you can look there in Isaiah 43, verses 19, it says, behold, I will do a new thing. God was speaking to Israel through Isaiah He says, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. You may be living in your life and it may feel dry and just deserted and lonely and all those things. He can bring a river right through that desert to where you are to bring life to you. You could feel like you're in the wilderness. You don't have a clue. I'm telling you, if you'll turn your focus and your attention to God, he'll bring a road right through that wilderness that'll lead you home. That's what he does. I'll put a a river in the desert and a road in the wilderness. He has an opportunity for you. Not just one, but I think he has an opportunity for you every day of your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that we were all created for good works. And we were created for these good works 
before time even began. God knew the opportunities that he was going to put before you. He knew the doors that he was going to open for you this year in 2013, way back in the beginning of time, way back before you were even a gleam in your mama's eye, like they say. He knew all of those things. He knew that in January, this door was going to open. He knew in July, this door was going to open. He knew in August, this was going to happen. We said last week, when we were talking about, or not last week, last month in December, when we were talking about Ghosts of Christmas Future, as we talked about a Christmas carol, we said that we, we, in our lives, we are attached to people who are in the world. That there are thousands of tiny Tims in our community who are out there. And I'm telling you, God's going to open doors for you, and on the other side of that door is going to be some tiny Tim somewhere. It's going to bless you. It's going to change your life as he opens that door and you walk through. But he's going to use that blessing in your life to change somebody else's life. That's what he does. Peter had denied Jesus three times in the Gospels at the crucifixion. But then as you move to Acts, it says in Acts Acts that they were in the upper room. That they were all in one accord. They were gathered together. The 120 were gathered together in the upper room. And and then they were, all of a sudden it says the windows flew open and the Holy Spirit entered the place. And he entered the people who were in the place. And above their heads set those those, those tongues of fire. They began to speak with other tongues. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And then he goes outside. They all go outside. There's all of these people out there. And then as he walks, say, opportunity. See, opportunity. He has all of this going on, all of this happening in his life, all of these things going on. He's denied Christ. He's been trying to figure it out. He can't figure it out. Now Christ has come back and told him it's okay. He comes to the upper room. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he walks outside. And there's all of these people. And now there's an opportunity. I don't think he probably w- opened up his shirt, pulled out his message and said, oh, good, I've, been, I've had this prepared, and, and spoke that. He spoke out of his spirit what God had to say that day to the people who were there. And it said in the end, 3,000 people got saved. He didn't even have to say, bow your heads, raise your hands if you need Jesus. At the end of the sermon, they all said to him, what must we do to be saved? If we'll follow the Holy Spirit in our life, he'll make a way for us. He will open up a door that will bless you, that will change your life. But then he's going to use you on the other side of that door to bless somebody else and change their life like he did Peter. Well, my life's a wreck. Well, so was Peter's. He just denied Christ three times. Romans 8, 28 says that he'll turn all things around for good in your life for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. That's you. That's me. That your mistakes don't define you in this. That what happened or didn't happen in 2012 can't be a bearing on what you do in 2013. You can't go back and undo anything you did. You can't go back and do something you didn't do. That year is gone. December 31st is over. It is January 6th now. You can't go back to January 5th and change it. You have to trust that God makes the difference. If you messed up, repent and go forward. If you did the right thing and you were victorious, rejoice, but go forward. Don't stay stuck because things didn't go well last year. Things are going to go great this year. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to open up doors in front of you. Well, how do you know that? Because that's what he does. And he shared with me and spoke to me, told me that this is going to be a year of opportunity. For us in our lives, Elizabeth and I, sure. For our family, sure. But for the VCC family here, all of us. Now, this is a year of opportunity for us. That he's going to be knocking on the door. And it's going to be open, it's going to be open before us, and we have to get up off the couch and walk through. 
You can do it. I can do it. But we may not know what to do, but the Spirit does. See, we may be a little afraid to walk through, but, but it says in, in 2 Timothy, right, that I don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That if I know the Word and begin to meditate the Word and allow the Spirit to work in me, I'll get through that door. I may not know what to do on the other side, but God does. I may not know what to say as I get to the other side, but God does. But I'm telling you, you don't have any chance if you don't go through it. Too many believers sit on this side of the door. We may not like that when we want the other opportunity. We don't want to talk to that person. We want to talk to this person. We don't want to deal with this. We don't, well, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for this. Oh, I don't want to do that. That looks like a lot of work. I mean, it says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But realize, there is still a yoke and a burden. It's just not the yoke and the burden of the flesh. He says, take upon you my yoke and my burden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But there's still a yoke and a burden involved, which means there's still going to be work as you plow the field. Put your hand to the plow. Go forward in this year, 2013, and see if God doesn't open up doors of opportunity before you. I'm telling you, I believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt that dreams are going to be fulfilled this year, that visions are going to come to fruition and come to pass, that things that you've been believing for, you're going to see, that they're going to manifest, that they're going to happen. I don't win. I don't know. Tomorrow. What if it doesn't happen tomorrow? The next day. I don't know. Seek the kingdom of God today and let tomorrow take care of itself. That's all we can do. Don't get caught up in all the hubbub and stuff. We have to live our life well because there are people out there on the other side of those doors of opportunity that are attached to you and to me. God knows who they are and he knows what they need. And if you don't make it through that door, what's going to happen to them? We're not on this earth for us. We're on this earth for the lost people who are out there in the world. But listen, if you'll give your life to Christ and go after the lost people in the world, he'll give you all the desires of your heart. The fulfillment that we want in life, that we're seeking in life, and say if we can just get to this point in our life, then we'll be what God wants us. Uh -uh, It doesn't work that way. You be what God wants you to be today, and then he brings all these other things into your life. That's the way it works. You don't know what that person's going through on the other side of your door of opportunity. You don't know what's happening in their life. You don't know what God is doing, what he's about to do, what he wants to do in their life through you. But step through and you'll find out. There was a situation in October. Caleb Worley was here. He's a friend of ours who lives in Tulsa, travels Southeast Asia ministering. And he had come and shared a word with us that, that morning on Sunday. He'd come in the men's advance and, and then did, the, uh, did that Sunday service. And there was a, there was a couple in our church who had, a, who had a friend, that person that they knew, who had called them and said, you know what, I, I just can't do this anymore. I, I just, I'm going to give up. I think that this person actually was maybe a recovering addict or something and was just, just said, you know what, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Athletic, physically fit, was a cross-country runner in school and, and really had all of those things physically going for her, but man was just, was just collapsing mentally and spiritually just, just be, being crushed. And said, so I just don't, I don't think I can do it anymore. Man, they knew that was trouble. They knew that was a sign. They jumped up from where they were. They found out where she was. They went there opportunity and they stepped through that door and said hey hey, you're going to be all right let's get through tonight but you got to come to church with us in the morning we're going to come pick you up we're going to bring you to church so she said all right she said she was good to go they prayed with her and then they went home went and picked her up the next day brought her to church 
Now, as she was here, she was fit. She was a cross-country runner. She was about to give up. She couldn't take it anymore. She was done with it. There just wasn't any strength left. What was Caleb's first example as he began to share that morning about when he was a cross-country runner in high school and how he wanted to give up and how he wanted to quit, but how his coach encouraged him. And in that encouragement, he gained strength to continue on and not stop running. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. There are people on the other side of the door. Stop fishing in the tub, fishing the lake. Too many believers are fishing in church. Most of us are saved here. And if we raise our hands at the end and say, you know what, I need Jesus. It's only be a couple of us, handful of us, whatever. I know most y'all. Most y'all know Jesus. Why are you fishing here? Fish are out there. Quit fishing in the tub. Go fish in the lake. And so she, she hears this message that Caleb shares. And she, at the end, she turns to the people who brought her and said, why did you tell that guy about me? And they said, yeah, that's what we did. Like last night after we left you, we called him at his hotel and we said, hey, here's this girl. She's going to be coming to this service and this, 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 and this is going on in her life. And, you know, could you speak to that? And he made up this whole 40-minute message because he knew you were going to be there one of those services. And he, he went ahead and did that. They said, no, God knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. As you step through that door, I'm telling you, there are people on the other side. God knows all about them, and he wants to use you to help them and to bring them into the kingdom. The opportunity is to bless you. Yes, that's true. But then that blessing is to bless the people who are around you. I'm a broken record with this. It doesn't change with me. I feed you. Go feed somebody else. Come back. I feed you again. Go feed somebody else. I ain't looking just to feed you and have you come back here and be fat babies. That ain't our job. It ain't our job spiritually. Our job isn't to sit around and just stuff ourselves with goodness. Our job is to, do, to, to, to get the food, to get the nourishment that we need spiritually in our life and then go give it to the people who are around us. Baby bird them. Right? No? I can't do it? You know what I'm talking about? Baby bird them? You know, they all go, ah, and then mommy goes, never mind. You get it. Right? And then you go give it. Go baby bird them. Give them the word. You don't know what they're going through. They didn't know. That couple didn't know what this person was going through and that Caleb was going to speak almost directly to that. They just knew that she needed to be in church and that God had a word and a message for her to help her. How many in your life, I'll ask you this question, how many unsaved people do you know in your life when we talk about fishing in the bathtub fishing in the lake it's tough to catch fish it's tough to bring people into the kingdom of god it's tough to make disciples and to to bring people to jesus if they already all know him and i'm not telling you to go out there and become a heathen and go out there and run roughshod with all the people in the world but i am saying you can have relationship with the people in the world you have to if you're going to bring them into the kingdom It says in Colossians 4, listen to this real quick. It says, live wisely among those who are non-believers and make the most of every opportunity. Live wisely among those who are non-believers and make the most of every opportunity. In 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said it like this. Live right so you're not disqualified after you've preached. Basically, in these two scriptures, it says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't say one thing and do another. Don't be like me. I shared that story, I think, last, week, or last time I was here 
Last time I was here, like I'm visiting. But uh, last, <laughs> I was on vacation. But, but in December, that, you know, right before Christmas, I, I shared, I shared that, that, that story. I, I went and hung out in the bars and, and when, while she shopped at the grocery store, and I ran into people from church. And so we talked there. That wasn't a good witness. Because I was, I was just drinking right along with them and smoking right along with them and playing pool. And hey, hey, hey. I won't tell if you don't tell. Woo! I ain't turning you in. I ain't turning you in. Rock on. High five. Praise Jesus. No, it doesn't work that way. He says, Paul says, live well so that after you have run the race and preached the gospel, you're not disqualified. It's important. There are people on the other side, and they're not saved. And you need to come through that door with what they need. And you get that every day by the Spirit of God. He feeds you, and then you feed others. That's what we do. I've got three quick keys, and then we'll go home. We'll pray. Three keys to seizing the opportunities this year. The first one has four parts. Okay, it's just four words. Write it down, read it, believe it, and trust God. That's why we, that's why we give you this. So you can write it down, so that you can read it, so that you can begin to believe that it's true, so that you can begin to trust God that he's going to do this in your life. Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision to make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Too many times Christians write it down and they never read it. Keep this thing in your prayer journal and read it every day. Keep this thing in your prayer journal and speak to those things life. Begin to speak them into existence. That's a little weird. Well, you ain't got it now. Try the weird thing then. How many of you gave weird a shot one time and it worked? It ain't weird no more, is it? No. Everything was odd the first time. In Isaiah 42, 9, I'm telling you, he's going he's gonna to tell you these things before they happen. You may not know exactly where the opportunity is. You may not know exactly what's going to be on the other side of that door, but he's going to stir you. How many times have you been in your quiet time or in your devotional time, and you've been, been the scriptures just come alive to you, and it means something, and you've been meditating it, and something on the inside of you is stirring, and you go to work that day or you go to school that day, and somebody's going through something, and it's exactly what God was speaking to you that morning. That's happened. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's just God telling you about the opportunity before he opens the door. He doesn't give you all the info because most of us would run. If we knew there was going to be somebody at school who needed that, we probably wouldn't go to school that day. <clears throat> I got a little flu. <clears throat> but he says in Isaiah 42, 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I'll tell you about them. He'll tell you. He'll stir your spirit. As you sit in his presence, see, as you read the word, as you meditate, Elizabeth and I are going to tomorrow start 13-day fast. Some of the others in church and the staff are doing it with us, and uh, if, if you want to, great, join us. But we're believing God for wisdom and all of those things and direction, but for breakthrough in our life and in this church, that we're setting aside food and we're trading that for, in our lives, prayer, reading the word, Meditating and seeking God. Believing that He will speak to us. That this will be a year of opportunities. That day by day, the doors open before us. It takes, it takes some things. 
The second thing is keep doing good. I know it says in Habakkuk, though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come. But while you're waiting, do good. And don't get weary. That's the second thing. Do good and don't get weary. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, that word in the Greek, that season word in the Greek, it means the opportune time. The fitting season, the fitting opportunity, the fitting occasion, or the fitting time. So it says, in the due time, in the due season, or in the correct opportunity, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. But then it goes on and it says after that, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us all do good, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Due season, I'll tell you this, due season is the opportune time, and it's, it's due season for you. It's due season for me. It's due season for this church. It's due season. 2013 is due season. This is time for God to open up doors and open, and open up opportunities. Amen? But let me tell you, you're going to have to go through some stuff. This is a good word, man. I want nothing but opportunity in my life. Just give me a chance, God, every day, man. I want to go. Let's do it. Bring it all on. Right? That's what we are. We're ready to go. The third thing says you must be led by His Spirit. The time is right. This is the time. And I believe that God will speak through you by the Spirit. In Mark 13, let me read this. Don't get freaked out or get scared. Mark 13, 8 through 11 says, Nation will go against nation in war and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many parts of the world as well as famines, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. These are the things that are going on in the world today. The world's growing darker and darker. We say that we're getting lighter and lighter, right? That our light shines brighter in the darkness. That's true. But realize that is where we are. But then it goes on from there, and verse 9 says, When these things begin to happen, watch out. Discernment. Discernment is critical. I'm going to be speaking on discernment for Wednesdays in January. Out of maybe one of Jensen Franklin's or use some of his book, it's Right People, Right Place, Right Time. Talking about the discernment that believers have. To be able to hear from God, to be able to hook up with the right people, be in the right place, and have the right plan. That that's by the Spirit of God, and that we as believers and children of God have the ability to discern that. That's the watch out there in verse 9. It says, you will be handed over to local councils and beaten in the synagogues. Nobody's going to punch you out in church. But you might have some persecution, and there might be some tribulation and some things people come against you on the other side of that door. But listen, you will stand trial before the governors and the kings because you are my followers. But it says, this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. This will be your opportunity to tell them about me. That there may be persecution on the other side of that door. You may have to ski down that hill and you're not a good skier. Ski! Because on the other side of that opportunity is the blessing that God has for you. And on the other side of that opportunity is an opportunity for you to be a blessing to somebody else. It goes on in verse 11 and says, But when you're arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance what you would say. Just say what God tells you at that time. Don't worry in advance about what you would say. Just say what God tells you at that time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, discernment, it's critical to the success of navigating His opportunities in your life. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. 
Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.